So do you think you can make an actual living off sports cards? Yeah, I have a friend that uh, went to St. John's University. He you know, got basically straight A's. He was going to go into med school. He was flipping sports cards just like me through college. And he decided not to go to med school because he was making so much money from sports cards. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know people that make you know, a million plus dollars a year in profit. Just, what? Just from flipping sports cards. Wow. Um, Welcome back to the show, guys. I'm your host as always, Sean Kelly. Got with me a sports card investor and expert, Eric Michael. How's it going? It's going well, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate yeah, absolutely. It. You're the first guest, I think, from Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers. Small world, man. All the way back in New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Did you make it all the way through? It's a long story, but <laughs> I failed out at the end, at the very, very end, because I uh, I got into entrepreneurship and just didn't have the time and failed a bunch of classes. Then I ended up graduating three years later. I took one oh, okay. more class three years later to finally graduate. Nice. So I did eventually. Wow. Not many people in entrepreneurship make it through college. No, not many. <laughs> like I got into entrepreneurship at the very, very end. So like I realized I don't want to work a job. So I was like, okay, um, you know, let's get into like Shopify, drop shipping, all that stuff. Yeah. Failed me out, but. I took the one class I needed to graduate nice. a few years later. So is that when you got into sports cards or was that later? No. So the way I got into sports cards, so it's a, it's a funny story. So my senior year of high school, you know, so people, you know, parents buy their kids cars, people get cars. And there were two high schools in my town. I'm from a town called Wayne, New Jersey. Mm. There was the middle class side of town, which is where I'm from. And there was the richer side of town. It was called the Wayne Hills, uh, the other side of town, the high school. And I heard about a, someone who bought his own car, C-A-R, car, not card, car, with $30,000. And I was like, who our age, we're 17, could have $30,000. Like, <laughs> yeah. What is going on? His name was Dylan. And I had a friend who was friends with him. So I was like, yo, can you like hook me up? I want to see how he's making money. And this was back in 2015. And I was like, I got in touch with him. I was like, dude, like, what's going on? Like, how do you have 30 grand to buy a car? And he's like, I buy and sell sports cards, mm-hmm. C-A-R-D-S, cards. And I was like, no, you don't. What? The things <laughs> you put in like your bicycle wheels? He was like, yeah, no, I do. Yeah. I was like, no way you could actually make money doing this stuff. And long story short, I just, I got hooked. I started harassing him. I was like, man, like I'm a huge sports fan. Got to teach me how to start making money doing this stuff. He showed me, he showed me. And at this time I was delivering pizza and I saved up about $4,000 from delivering pizza. Mm-hmm. And I finally bought my first sports card. It was a, uh, for you sports nerds out there, he was a New York Mets prospect at the time. His name was Steven Matz. Mm -hmm. He was a pitcher for the New York Mets. And I bought his card for $500. I got it graded. I sold it about 10 days later on eBay for $888. You know, a lot of money at the time, a few hundred dollars for someone that was 17. But it was a huge just mindset shift from trading your time for money. And here I am all of a sudden. Now I just clicked a few buttons on a computer Bought a car, didn't do much with it, got it sold, and I made $388. And then I was just absolutely hooked, hooked. after that. And, wow. Um, Dylan has you know, he changed my life. That's just, awesome. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. I don't even know who that pitcher is. Yeah, he was, <laughs> a, he was a big prospect for the Mets, and then injuries plagued him. Yeah. Um, he's still in the league, or he may have retired. His name's Steven Matz, but back in the day, he was a big, yeah. big prospect. So do you think you can make an actual living off sports cards? Yeah, I have a friend that uh, – I have a friend that – went to St. John's University and he you know, got basically straight A's. He was going to go into med school. He was flipping sports cards just like me through college. And he decided not to go to med school because he was making so much money from sports cards. Damn. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know people that make you know, million plus dollars a year in profit just, what? just from flipping sports cards. Wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's very, very possible. So what's like the strategy you see from the top people making money? Oh boy. Including yourself. So, the, so there's two ways to make money. So like, I teach people how to buy and sell sports cards, and my whole thing is 
teaching people how to make a predictable side income, an extra one, two, three thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to do that is doing something called grading. So grading a sports card is essentially what it is. You buy a card, you send it into a grading company. If the company deems it's a ten, you can make money. Mm. You could buy a card for a hundred dollars, spend about twenty, thirty dollars, get it graded. A few weeks later, you could have it back. If it's graded to ten, you could triple your money. Mm. It's not that scalable. But um, you could easily make an extra two to three grand a month doing right. that. And that's what I teach because it's realistic, it's sustainable, it's predictable, it's fun. Yeah. If you want to start making big, big bucks, you have to start to go into the big, big cards. So, like, I'm not going to spitball names here, but, like, uh, for example, I have a friend that uh, about four years ago, uh, before the pandemic, so sports cards got massive during the pandemic, as right. I'm sure you know. And he bought, before the pandemic, what I think is the most valuable sports card in the world. So it's a... Uh, 2003 exquisite like logo man like the one of one signed by michael jordan and lebron james he purchased the card for a million dollars like four or five years ago something like that Mm -hmm. and now that card's like i mean at least 12 to 15 million at least so um you have to start to play into those bigger cards like you know i saw the other day on facebook someone posted like the brock purdy one-on-one national treasures for like i'm assuming the guy probably purchased it for like 100 grand then he'll probably go to flip it for like 150 200 grand so like if you want to make big, big bucks, you know, you have to buy big, big cards. Wow. Um, but that's kind of how it goes. So you buy these bigger cards, and you're, you like to buy them raw, right? Pre-graded. The big cards, you can't. Um, any big card you're going to buy, you're probably not going to find in great condition if it's raw. Oh, okay. So the way I – so there's, right, you have the whole grading aspect of things. And the way I do sports cards mostly is this is the way sports cards go. So, like – what you can do is you can buy a card of the off season. So let's take right now, right? Right now we're speaking, it's in September. So mm-hmm. like right now what's hot is football, basketball. Basketball's around the corner. What are people not buying right now? People aren't buying baseball. baseball. Baseball's kind of in the crapper. Yeah. It'll shoot up a little bit with some guys who do well in the playoffs, but for the most part, baseball's in the crapper. There's a lot of really good prospects that are really cheap right now, like just to spit some guys out there like Marcelo Meyer, who's a prospect for the Boston Red Sox. And if you do it correctly, what you can do is – you can buy one of these prospects like Marcelo Meyer, really cheap right now, and wait a few months to like January, March, and these prospects will see a big, big increase or bump in value mm. if guys think they're going to be called up to the majors um, that following spring. So like what I'll do a lot of the time is like I'll buy like a $5,000 card of Marcelo Meyer right now just because I know it's cheap, and I'll sit on it, wait till January, February. Hype will start to build in January, mm-hmm. February, March. People are going to think he could possibly be the starting shortstop for the Red Sox. And I'll go and flip that card for anywhere between like eight grand, ten grand, twelve grand. Wow! Depends how the market reacts, but um, that's kind of how to do sports cards on like a bigger, bigger playing field. Just like yeah. kind of timing the market, buying low, selling high when everyone zigs, you zag type of thing. Interesting. So you're buying in the off season, and then you're also buying people you think will get to the next level. Yes. Yeah. So like if you if you're doing things correctly, like for baseball, like the way sports cards works, it's backed by hype and demand. Let me give you a great example. So, like, I know I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this. But, so, like, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, right? Most guys watching this probably know who they are. Yeah. So, they, most people would say that Trevor Lawrence has accomplished a lot more, right? He has a much better passer rating. He's thrown for more touchdowns. He's actually won a playoff game. Mm -hmm. And Justin Fields, he makes a lot of great plays, but he hasn't shown an ability to throw from the pocket. Um, And just, he hasn't proven that much. He's talented. But, so that's the point. But, so these guys, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, leading up to the NFL season this year, were selling for about the same, which it doesn't make much sense because mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence has accomplished a lot more. Right. But people get excited with the hype 
that Justin Fields provides, one, because he's in a big market in Chicago, right? Just there's more Bears fans, so people are going to dump money into Justin Fields. Yeah. And two, he's just an exciting player. So, like, I personally don't think Justin Fields will be a successful NFL quarterback. Um, but that's just, that's just my take. You never know. But, like, if you're doing it right, right, you got to ask yourself, okay, back in February and March, well, football's down. What player is going to receive a lot of hype and demand, okay? You could realistically say, like, Justin Fields made a lot of great plays. He's really cheap because football's cheap in February and March. He's a big market. He's in Chicago. And, I, you know, they got a little bit lucky, Justin Fields investors, because I was a Justin Fields investor. I sold everything before the season just because they signed DJ Moore. Um, they got some, they, some offensive line help. But, um, but, yeah, so you just have to play into, like, the volatility and the hype of the market. Like, yeah. ask yourself, like, this coming season, like a week or two before the season, who's going to have a lot of excitement? Whoever that is, that player will increase a lot in value. And these are, a lot of the times, like significant returns. Like, I flipped like a Justin Fields, like it was a, called a gold XRC. I paid about, I think I paid about $5,000, and I sold it about three months later for 9000 Wow. So like, and the car just sat on my desk, honestly. So yeah. like, if you do it right, you can make these massive returns. That's awesome. What's the most you've seen a sports card sell for? Just... The most I've ever seen a card sell for. Yeah. So it was the record sale. I think it was the most expensive sports card ever sold. It was a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle. It sold for about $12 million something. Jeez. Yeah. That's so, crazy. Uh, and what's crazy about that card, so like a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle, that is like the holy grail mm-hmm. of sports cards because that was like, it's Mickey Mantle. 1952 was the first year Topps was around. So like that card is like the holy grail of sports cards. And mm. what's crazy about that card is the one that sold for $12 million was it was graded in SGC 9.5. So it's mm. like a specific grading company. But there's actually two out there that are PSA 10s. Wow. One of them, I believe, is owned by a lawyer in New York, and the other is owned by the owner of the Colorado Rockies. Damn. And that card auctioned would sell for more than what that last Mickey Mantle did, probably hovering around $20 million, maybe 18 Holy to $20 million, crap. I had a guess. That's crazy. So, yeah, um, that's, that's the biggest sports card I've ever seen sold. Like, just, yeah. I mean, I didn't see it, but, like, what about you personally? What's the most expensive card you've sold or own? Uh, the most expensive card I've ever sold was, this is actually a interesting little flip. So last two years ago at the National Card Show in Atlantic City, I, uh, I got a text message from a friend saying that this guy was looking to sell this card of Justin Herbert. Mm. Justin Herbert was extremely hot at the time. Uh, this was like late July of 2022. Mm-hmm. And I met up with this guy in, in the hotel lobby of the Tropicana in Atlantic City. Um, we did like a cash and trade deal. And long story short, I gave him about, uh, gave him about $75,000 for the card through, through car- a few cards, about half of it was cash. I took that same card and I flipped it the next day at the card show for hundred ten grand in cash. Damn. So yeah, that's the biggest card. I've ever All sold. cash? All cash, yep. So people are pulling up to these card shows with just briefcases of yeah, cash? Big time. Yeah. That's scary, man. Yeah, I can is. fly home with that. Uh, well, I went to the bank in Atlantic City. I went to, I found a Chase Bank in the area and I deposited the cash. Well, I took about half of the cash and spent it at the card show. The other, the other half, I, uh, I just went to the bank and deposited. Wow. Have you ever met Gary Vee at these card shows? I have. Uh, it was funny. Back in 2020, the National Card Show in Chicago, I was thinking about starting the coaching program, the same one that I do today. And I was debating whether or not to do it. And Gary Vee was at this card show and you know, he was getting bombarded by all these people. Yeah. Um, and I went up to him and I was like, hey, man, I think I'm going to start a program to teach people how to do this. And he looked at me dead in the eye and he's like, kid, that's a great idea. Wow. And just ever, I was like, okay, he must think it's a good idea if he actually gave me the attention to look at me in the eye. So 
that's kind of one of my sparks for starting to teach people how to you know make money doing this stuff nice so how much would you say the average person would need to get started if they want to make one to three k a month like you said earlier one to three k that's all they need yeah like you could start like you could start with five hundred dollars flip a card sell for eight hundred get it graded sell for eight hundred take that eight hundred roll it over i mean i started with four thousand dollars that's what i saved up from delivering pizza back in the day but like yeah the more money you have, the more money you're going to make. But, I mean, you could start with a few hundred dollars. Right? Wow. That's all you need to buy a card and get it graded. That's crazy. And you're doing this full-time? Like, this is your main income? Yep. That and the teaching people how to do it. Nice. How many people are you teaching? Uh, we've taught about, up to this point, probably around 600. Jeez. Yeah. That's so, a lot. Yeah. it's uh, Word's gotten around that, um, like, we actually, like, do a decent job <laughs> helping people. Like, uh, part of the problem with, like, the coaching space is, like, a lot of people don't practice what they preach and they give these big promises and don't deliver on them. But like we go out there and tell people like, Hey, like this is a realistic side income. You're going to make an extra few grand a month. Is this something you want to do? People want to do it. Um, right. They just want that extra few grand a month on top of their nine to five jobs. And you know, they love it. It doesn't require any fancy technology, no websites, no funnels, no ads. Yeah. All you need is your phone and an internet connection. Really nice. What cars do you see potential in? Like I know there's star Wars cards, there's Pokemon, there's, all these types of cards like do you stick with just sports i stick with just sports because it's the easiest to make money with okay so like okay so like pokemon for example so like pokemon the most sought after cards are the original set from 1999 yeah that's when pokemon first started and that's it like that's the original set it ends right there that is the, the original pokemon cards but with sports cards there are original cards being printed every single year because there's mm-hmm. rookies right like yeah who was a rookie this year? Like, uh, like Kenny Pickett cards were his good cards came out in early 2023. And like, you know, those are his original cards. And the next year there's going to be original cards And the next year. There's original cards being printed every single year. So like, there's just a lot of, a lot more money in it and a lot more opportunity. It's easier, honestly, to make money. And I like sports too. Right. I don't like Pokemon as much. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you stick with mainly rookie cards? Cause I know some people buy second year. Some people buy certain variants. Yeah. It's mostly rookie. Almost all rookie, yeah. like ninety five percent of it, I would say. It's just they like if you're going to buy a card, get it graded and sell it. Like those cards can have the biggest margins, the most, you know, liquidity. It's ninety five percent. Yeah. Does it still take months to get the grades back? Because I, when I used to send stuff to PSA, it took like six months. Yeah, PSA is wonky. Like it, it depends. The way it works is like the more you spend, the, like the more money it costs to get a card graded, the faster you're going to get it back. So right. like, I'd say for me personally, the average card I buy is probably. $3,000, so I'm okay with spending more money to get it graded. So I'll spend $150 to get it graded. Wow. Probably takes about two weeks, three weeks to get back. But like, yeah. if you're buying a lower-end card that might be $100, it doesn't make much sense to spend $75 to get it graded so or $150 to get it graded. So you're going to probably spend the lowest service, which right now is about $19. Yeah. It'll take five to six weeks. It depends. It could be eight weeks. It could be four weeks. Okay, so it's gotten a little better. It, it's From the pandemic, it's gotten way better. That's when I yeah. submitted mine. It took at least six months. <laughs> yeah, like it was crazy because, I mean, during the pandemic, like sports cars just took off like no one would imagine. Yeah, blasted and, like, off. They were just hammered. You couldn't lose. Yeah, it, you literally couldn't <laughs> lose. It was crazy. Like just everything, it seemed like everything you touched turned yeah. to gold. It felt like a crypto bull run. Almost. Yeah, yeah, it did. It's it. And it's funny because that's one of the most common questions I get. Like, people will, like comment on my Facebook ads and stuff, like, oh, the sports card market has crashed. And it's definitely down since the pandemic. But, like, so before the pandemic, just to kind of give like an example, like a LeBron James Topps Chrome PSA 10 rookie card was about $2,000 during the, before the pandemic. Yeah. At the height of the pandemic, that same card was about 30000 So it really went up a lot. 
but it's come down since the pandemic. But that same card is about seven to eight grand. The sports card market has about three to four times from before to after the pandemic. So, wow. um, but yeah, so. Yeah, it's all relative, right? Everything crashed from the pandemic, real estate. Yeah, stocks, all the alternative crypto. assets, right? What goes up must come down. It yeah. has to, right? It was too good to be true, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I was literally buying any card on eBay and it would go up like, <laughs> yeah. the next week. Yeah, that's, oh my God. Yeah, it was, those it was, were the days. It was a wild time. Like I had, I had all these cards that like, like the pandemic started in like, uh, what was it, like March of 2020. So like I had all these cards I was sitting on, all these baseball cards. I bought like in, you know, November and December and I was going to wait till before the season in March to sell them and like, you know, I'd probably make on average about a 50% return holding cards for an extended, for like a few months. But like all of a sudden the pandemic started, just boom, these cards like three to four times. And yeah. I just cashed out huge. Um, but yeah, everything was just going up. Yeah. Was nuts. Have you ever bought a fake card or been scammed or anything? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Um, the unfortunate thing about sports cards is it is an easy place to scam people. So like... Um, yeah, like I bought a fake card before, but like when you buy a fake card and you buy it on eBay, you're protected. So like right. I bought a card, I've got my money back. How'd you know it was fake? Um, so I bought a card of Michael Jordan. Um, it was like a 1986 Fleer, Michael Jordan. Yeah. And what somebody did is, I wish I had like an example, but I don't, is they, so they took the real card of Michael Jordan. It was graded like an eight or something. The card was probably worth like five grand. Yeah. And they like made a little slit in the case. And they took the real one out and put a fake one in that looked good. Mm. So now it's in the case and it looks real. Like it looks like a real card. Yeah. And they took the real one and they submitted it to PSA again. So now they have another PSA. Wow. So they just, you see that? So they just doubled their money. That's crazy. So I had the fake one and I looked at the card and I was like, this don't look right. This yeah. looks a little bit off. I asked a friend. He confirmed it was fake. And um, eBay gave, gave me my, my money back. But um, Jeez. yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, just like any business, right? Like there's a lot of. You know, rug pulls, scams. Yeah. But if you know how to navigate your way through it, you could make a lot of money. I, I probably got scammed too. I was buying so many cards that I wasn't even checking if I got them all. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was just buying so many. Yeah, that. That, will ha- that will happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I took a big L. I bought a lot of Zion. Yep. Uh, so did I. That was, yeah. that was uh, Zion. I made money, sold it. He went down. I bought more Zion. And then it went down. And then I lost. So it kind <laughs> of. If he ever plays me. again, it might go up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a bunch of Zion with me. I bought a bunch back in like not with me, but back in Arizona. Like, yeah. I bought a bunch in like February and March. Um, you know, hoping he would look healthy and his value would go back up. It's went up a little bit, but not as much as I expected. Yeah. But we'll see. Why didn't you get into breaking at all? Uh. Because people are it with that, right? Car yeah, breaks. I mean, breaking is. It's a great thing, but. And it gets a lot of people into the hobby, but I mean, there's a few reasons. I was doing well with flipping the sports cards, and I'll, I like to control my own money. So when right. you break, right, you're getting product from like Panini and Tops, and you're kind of at the mercy of them how many how many boxes and cases they'll give you. So I was never that into it, and I started the coaching program. And the reality of breaking is, you know, I don't have anyone against any breakers, but when you break a box of cards, it's kind of like you know we're in a casino right now, like going to a slot machine, pulling the slot machine. Like right. you can get lucky once, sure, maybe. But over the long run, you're going to lose a lot of money. I've never made money opening cards. Never, right? Because like, there's a reason these p- companies like Panini and Topps make a lot of money, right? It's, yeah. Unfortunately, it's at the expense of the consumer. So I said to myself, if I'm going to brand myself and really go all out on a business, I'd rather help people make money right. than you know, maybe help people have fun but lose the money. So that's kind of my motivation for getting into coaching and teaching people how to actually make a sustainable side. Yeah, that's respectable, man. I've seen people spend six 
maybe even seven figures on just buying cases and boxes of cards, trying to chase that one of one, yeah, and dude, they just get wrecked. It's a losing game, dude. And the worst part about it is like, I mean, a lot of people that come into my program, they come from the world of breaking. They'll come to me and say, hey, man, like I'm down like $30,000. Like, can you help me make money? And then they end up coming into the program and learning how to actually make money. But, but yeah, so like yeah, breaking, it's just, right, it's a slot machine. You're going to lose money in the long run yeah. unless you're the luckiest person in the world. So that's just how it goes. Yeah, same with owning a sports card shop because the value of these cards, they're just changing so quickly. You could be stuck with so much inventory, right? Yeah, I mean, that's why sports card shops do a lot of breaking because it's like a sustainable thing. Like, you know, there's no like, like they take these boxes and like, for example, they'll get a box from Panini for like $1,000 and they'll break it online the you know through 10 to 15 different people paying them and they'll end up doubling their money with the box right which part of which is another reason why breaking is such a not profitable thing because you're really paying strong to get into these boxes and like even if you just bought the box what it's worth the whole thing you would lose money yeah now you're essentially even though you're only getting a smaller bit of it you're paying like essentially double so like it's a losing game i mean it's fun like it drives the hobby don't get me wrong i have nothing against it. like the cards i buy and make money on come out of these boxes right, right? so like um but in the long run You'll get crushed. Yeah. I noticed, like, the older heads kind of hate it, too. Yep, they do. There's, like, that divide with, like, the new social media kids. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I see a lot of that, too. And, um, you know, a lot there's a lot of, like, original collectors that don't like all, like, the promoting and all the social media and all the yeah. stuff that's coming around sports cards because, like, they just want, like, you know, they're just old, yeah. grubby people. <laughs> I know this one dude. I think his username is Shine150 or something. I've heard of him. I think he buys a lot of big cards. Dude, yeah. he makes a lot of money off sports cards. Yeah. But he buys like, he's like you, but like on another level. Because like he'll buy like the one-on-ones. Yeah, yeah. That's a, those. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a crazy game to play. I like to play in the, I like to play in the ballpark of like buying cards that are five to ten grand. Yeah. I've played in the ballpark of buying cards that are like 25, 50, 100 grand. But like, they're just too hard to move. Too risky, right? <laughs> yeah. Not even too risky. They're not as liquid. Right. Like, Selling a card for ten grand is a lot of money, but a lot of people have ten grand. Yeah, hundred grand, different ballgame. Right, like it's very hard to move. A lot of the times when you're ready to sell a card, you can't sell it. But like a ten thousand dollar card, I have a bunch of them. I can go on Facebook, make a post, and I'll be flooded with offers. Oh yeah, yeah, for cards that are worth wow. five, ten, fifteen grand. But hundred grand, fifty grand, it's a whole different ballgame. So where do you sell yours mainly on Facebook? Yeah, the main places I buy are Facebook. Uh, so when I'm buying cards to get graded, they mostly come from eBay. Yeah. When I'm buying cards to hold, like these higher-end cards that are already graded, mostly from Facebook or card shows when I get to go once in a while. And then when I sell, selling is 95% through Facebook. That's just yeah. where I've done the best. A lot of, I know a lot of people on Facebook. I have a lot of connections at this point. Sometimes I'll just hit people up on my phone. Right. But um, you know, if you have a – there's no right or wrong. Like Instagram is great too. I prefer social media just because there's no fees. You could build connections. Yeah. Um, so – because eBay takes what, like three percent or something? Uh, thirteen. Thirteen. Thirteen percent. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> they're printing money though. No yeah, wonder no, they, they like sports cards. They're so. the real winners, dude. <laughs> they're the real winners. They make a crap ton of money. Yeah. Because I was wondering why they started going like they started marketing sports cards a lot. I don't know if you noticed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. They I would mean, like sponsor conferences. I mean, dude, it's smart. Like, yeah. They see where it's going, and like fanatics. I'm sure you've heard of it. How they're taking over in like yeah. 2026. Like, I mean, they're smart. They make a crap ton of money from sports cards, eBay. Um, so that's why they're promoting it so hard. Yeah. Are you excited about the Fanatics takeover or worried? Uh, no, nah, I'm excited. Like, I mean, I don't know what's in store, obviously, but the owner, Michael Rubin, I mean, I know he's 
knows a lot about sports cards. He knows a lot about business. So whatever decisions he makes is going to be best for the hobby and to make money. So yeah. I don't know what he's going to do. He hasn't probably released any of it. He may not have even thought of it himself yet. Yeah. But whatever he does, like I mean, I trust him. Right? The dude's a multi-billionaire. For a reason, I feel that. So. And the dude, the thing I like about Ruben is even though he's super rich and stuff, successful, he's still in the culture. Yeah. Like he still hangs out with. Exactly. You know, exactly. And so kind of a. I guess a similar situation to that. So you know who Nat Turner is? Yeah. So he bought PSA. I forget when he bought them. It was like a few years ago. During the but, pandemic, right? I remember. Yeah. But he's a guy who's been in the hobby, knows the ins and outs, has bought a lot of sports cards. And part of the reason PSA blew up is because he's the owner. For sure. And the decisions he's made has the collector in mind. Right? He's come from the hobby. Yeah. As to like something like Beckett, I forget who the owner is, but he's not really involved in the hobby. He looks at it more like just like a business, like an X's and O's, just numbers you type know, of thing. Yeah. So like Beckett's kind of taking a step back and PSA's taking 10 steps forward. Nice. Because Nat Turner understands what drives the hobby, getting cards back quicker, um, really valuing the PSA 10. He's made it like a little bit harder to get that PSA 10 mm. over the years. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of like a similar situation. Like someone who has a lot of money, who's in, been in the hobby for a long time, is now taking a big in the hobby yeah. yeah is it true they're trying to switch to like ai um ratings like they're gonna have a computer look at the cards now instead of human you know what that's a common question i get but i don't think it'll ever happen because human error is a big part of grading so like if you had in something like it some sort of ai robot that was grading these cards yeah. people would figure out or have some sort of software or something where they'd be able to look at a card on ebay and just know what it's going to get graded before it even gets graded, mm. which diminishes the whole value of cards. Right? Right. That would screw up the whole hobby. Human error is what makes grading great. Sometimes you can send in a card that you're sure is going to get a 10, grades a 9. Sometimes you send in a That's card. That's the worst feeling. Yeah, <laughs> vice versa, right? You'll send in a card that, like, ah, it has this blemish, and it gets a 10. Right, right. Right? So if they ever did that, people are smart enough to come out with softwares that kind of mimic whatever AI they're using, and then you would know if the card's going to grade a 10 or a 9 before buying mm. it, and then it's that's grade, true grading goes out the window yeah you could just upload an image and it would give you a grade right? exactly so yeah. i don't think they'll ever do it that's a good point yeah. um in terms of like just in general what are you feeling about moving forward like do you want to go more on the coaching side or more on the investing side uh coaching i like helping people but as the coaching like kind of the way this is a funny story so kind of the way like sports cards went for me is like i was flipping cards for like a few hundred dollars just really pumping them out as, as my coaching program has gotten bigger, the cards I bought has got bigger. So like I'll still spend fifty grand in a month on cards, yeah. but now it's just I'm only buying eight cards instead of eighty right. as before. So like the money I'm investing in sports cards is just getting bigger and bigger. I'm just buying less cards but cards that are bigger. Um and kind of what helped me out a lot, so this is a this will be a shock to a lot of your audience. <laughs> so what's helped me out a lot in sports cards, so like as like you know, I was someone back in twenty twenty when me and my buddy John Suarez started the coaching program. You know, I just thought I was teaching people how to make money with sports cards. And as soon as you start a business running ads and funnels and websites and hiring people, you realize, oh, my God, teaching people how to make money with sports cards is easy. Like, I have to post content, market, make database decisions, yeah. hire a sales team, a CRM, all this crazy stuff. So I really became like a system process-driven person. And I had a bunch of VAs. What a VA is, is a virtual assistant for you guys out there who don't know. They're essentially overseas workers. You could pay them three, four, five dollars an hour, which is great. It's above minimum wage in their country, and they'll they'll work for you and kind of do whatever you want. And I had a bunch of VAs on my team. I still do, you know, posting content and doing all this random stuff. 
And as my coaching program got bigger and bigger and bigger, I was like, damn, I don't have as much time to buy sports cards. So then I had the great idea one day of, well, maybe one of these virtual assistants could find these cards for me. Yeah. So I took one of the virtual assistants. I got on a two-hour Zoom with him. I trained him. I had him watch my program. And I was like, here's a spreadsheet. You're going you're to work for three hours a day. You're going to find cards for me to get graded. And then we'll, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. And this guy was kid. It was amazing. Like I was just waking up every morning or going on the spreadsheet at the end of the day. And instead of me putting in a few hours to find cards, this VA did it all for me. And I'd pay him like, you know, 15, 20 bucks a day. And I was just buying tons of cards and I still do it to this day. Nice. So that's something we do in our coaching program. We give people, we have like a recruiting agency over in the Philippines yeah. that trains these VAs how to find sports cards and our processes and what to look for in a card and all that stuff. So a lot of our students actually don't put a lot of time into finding these cards because that's one of the most time timely things in sports yeah. cards. So we have virtual assistants that do it. That's smart. That find the cards for us, and it's, it's an amazing process. Yeah, it saves a ton of time. Super smart. Eric, it's been fun, man. Anything you want to close off with or promote? Um, not really, man. I mean, just like if you guys have any questions about sports cards, you can hit me up on Instagram at MLP. I'm more than happy to answer any questions you guys have about sports cards, but yeah that's really it i just wanted to come on here and provide you guys as much value as possible with the sports card market awesome thanks for coming on man i think it's cool to see new uh investment vehicles yeah for sure man i appreciate it absolutely thanks for watching guys and i'll see you next time